Hello, everyone. In this podcast, we will be discussing sensitive topics such as sexual assault. It's important to take care of yourself while listening. Some suggestions are listening while you're in a healthy headspace or knowing who you can reach out to if you become upset. Our 24-7 helpline for crisis calls based out of Central Florida is 407-500-HEAL. By contacting the national hotline at 1-800-656-4673, you can get support and learn about your local resources. There's always someone ready to help. the Victim Service Center podcast. Here we sit down with professionals that serve survivors and victims of trauma or those who've experienced violence and have conversations about social issues. This week, we are talking about making meaning from trauma. My name is Emily Mitchell. My pronouns are she, her, and I'm the education coordinator at the Victim Service Center of Central Florida. I have with me today two amazing people returning onto the podcast. So with me today, I have Tracy Kelly. Tracy uses she, her pronouns and is a survivor of child sexual abuse from the ages of nine to 11 years old by a family member. Tracy withheld her story for most of her life because she was scared. But after having her own children, she now speaks to other parents about keeping their children safe and also to other victims about how to not only survive their abuse, but learn how to thrive in life. So Tracy, thank you so, so much for coming back onto the podcast. Thank you so much, Emily, for having me. I'm looking forward to this. I am as well. And I also have returning Yael Rivera. So Yael uses she, her pronouns, attends Florida State University's Masters of Social Work clinical program. She completed her generalist internship at UCF CAPS, where she developed a love for group therapy. Her approach is humanistic, person-centered, mindfulness-based, DBT-informed or dialectical behavior therapy-informed, and interpersonal. She has a passion for working with the LGBTQ plus community, college students, and survivors of traumatic circumstances. So yeah, Elle, thank you as well for coming back onto the podcast. Thank you, Emily. So happy to be here. I'm very excited to have this conversation because as many people may know who listen, um, as a really brief introduction previously on this podcast, we have talked about growth after trauma to validate that all responses to trauma are normal and that there is hope of growth and healing following a traumatic event. Essentially, these normal responses are both valid and not necessarily life sentences. Today, we will be exploring some things that can be healing for survivors, such as activism, community building, empowerment, making meaning from trauma, and other options for healing beyond activism for survivors. So with that, I really like to start off with defining what activism is. So how would you define activism? I think there's a a lot of different types of activism so like micro macro level activism like micro being just like in your personal life speaking out against certain structures or advocating for certain populations and then macro like getting involved in the community and actively participating in events or volunteering um, maybe doing more direct work i see what you mean so i I appreciate that you are kind of highlighting two different types of it too, where it could be more on the one-on-one interpersonal activism, but then it can be more community and, and on the macro level. Would you agree, Tracy? Is that how would you define activism? Yeah, I think activism is, yeah, I think it's definitely both. It can be, you know, within yourself and then within your community as well. I think activism is just kind of taking a stand for something that you believe in and you want other, you know, to help other people as best as you can. 
I love that. And, you know, we talked a little bit about some examples that you gave, Yael, but what can activism actually look like? What are some other ways that activism can look? Activism could be putting a social media post. It could be, you know, speaking at an event. It could be talking to your family members. It's really just, I think, putting a certain message out there that's important to you, that it's also empowering or that leads to a cause. And you, and do you have any other examples, Tracy, yourself? Um, I think just activism is, um, I think you can just do a lots of things. It's just talking to people, even if it's just in a conversation that you're having um, and just a normal conversation. It's just talking about things that you feel passionately about. I think it's um, like Gail said, it's, it's social media. It's, it's just kind of helping others understand what the problems are and how we can help together try to solve them. I love that. I love that the together piece to it as well. And we come to this word a lot when we talk about trauma and healing from trauma, but we always come back to this word called empowerment. And I think it could be defined differently by a lot of different people. So I'm really curious. I'll start with you, Tracy. How would you identify or define empowerment? I think empowerment is, it, it, it definitely means a lot of different things to different people. And I think to me, it just means that you finally are, you know, you have more power over your experiences than, you know, when, you know, you've been through a traumatic experience and you've gone through something um, that's, that's kind of taken a toll on you. Having that empowerment gives you that power back to where you kind of feel like you have control over your life again, and that it's not, you know, spinning out of control or somebody else is controlling it anymore that you are controlling your own kind of destiny and your own moods and your own feelings about kind of where you want to go. That's so awesome. Thank you, Tracy. Yeah, Elle, how would you define empowerment? I think Tracy did a really great job of like highlighting the individualism of empowerment. Like it really has to do with your own uh, sense of safety is how I would kind of think about it. Like reclaiming that sense of safety in yourself and that confidence in yourself and your own power. Um, I know that's literally in the definition of the word, but that's how I think of it is that you're holding on to that, your center, your safety. Absolutely. I appreciate that. I, I appreciate also what you said, Tracy, as far as it can look different for a lot of different people, kind of talking about how just like the healing journey can be individualized, the journey to empowerment or living in an empowerment kind of lifestyle can look different for a lot of people as well. Um, you know, today we're talking specifically about making meaning from trauma. So what exactly do we mean by that when we say making meaning from trauma? I think for me, um, I, I always try to, you know, find the good in everything and, and having a traumatic experience, you feel like there is nothing good from it and that all of these bad things kind of happen to you. So making meaning from trauma is me trying to take and say, okay, this happened to me. So now what can I do to make it a positive? How can I help other people not have to go through what I did or not have to feel what I had to feel? Or even if somebody else went through the same thing that I did, you feel so alone when you go through a tra traumatic experience. You feel like you're the only one that's there. And it's nice to know when you meet somebody else and you hear somebody else talk about their trauma experience that you realize that, oh, oh, it's the same for you and you feel it too. So what can we take from this? How can we make it better? How can we help other people um, who've had a traumatic experience or who've gone through something that's been pretty terrible? I think that could be so powerful. And I love that you brought in the concept of it being that individual level, but then also connecting with other survivors too. Um, I hear that a lot, kind of this idea of loneliness and feeling alone and shame. And so it sounds like that connecting with other survivors can be really healing um, to let the other one know and 
that they're not alone and that, um, you know, their responses and, and reactions are normal and they may be going through it too. Yeah. And, you know, this experience has happened and it's nothing we can go back and change. You can't change the fact that this happened to you. Um, So, you know, instead of just focusing on the negative on the past and just saying, okay, what can I make it so it becomes a positive in the future? How can I take these negative thoughts and feelings and turn them into a positive? So it will make that meaning from that trauma of I experienced this trauma, but this is what I'm going to do moving forward. I can see how that's super empowering, right? Yeah. Um, And also, you know, Yael, on your side as someone who works with survivors, um, is this like something that you explore with your clients? And if so, you know, how would you define kind of making meaning from trauma or what have you seen? I've kind of seen with making meaning from trauma is that it, we keep going back to the individual, but it really has to be something that you feel is like part of your healing. Um, it's taking these experiences and reforming them to align with our beliefs and kind of make something positive with that. Um, and that can really help us thrive. I think specifically with clients, I like to take it slow and seeing how they're viewing the situation and kind of how I can further that to their healing goals more so than like, you know, let's always add meaning or like, that's always like, there's always some thrive in the struggle, but I think it really can be like, what are, what's your end goal? What's your vision of healing? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And and that kind of leads me to another question that I'm curious about. You know, I think that there is kind of like a balance here about this concept of making meaning from trauma while also acknowledging that trauma is something that just shouldn't happen. So I res- that resonated a lot with me, what you said, Tracy, where, you know, we can't go in the past and we can't change it. So how do you think we can balance this concept of making meaning from trauma while also acknowledging that it just shouldn't happen in the first place? I think that's one of the hardest things to have to do when you're talking about going through trauma situations and all of that is because it, you know, it, you want to prevent it, obviously. So with my, with my situation, like I want to talk to other parents and I want to talk to kids and I want to prevent whatever, you know, that can happen to them. And I want to get it across that these things shouldn't happen, that we need to be talking about these issues and we need to make sure that we're discussing them and not keeping them hidden, you know, and it, but it's also, you know, it's hard because we have been through the trauma. So you know, it's a, it's a really hard kind of thing to, to balance those two situations because they can kind of get blurred at some times. And it's, it's just really hard to kind of figure out how do you put the trauma behind you and then not let it keep going. Definitely. And I'm hearing though, um, through what you do, um, cause, and we'll talk a little bit about more of the education and things like that, that, that you do. Um, it sounds like part of your healing journey is tr- the prevention piece to it, um, which isn't for everyone, but, um, but I think that that is amazing. Um, and I can see why that would be super healing for some people. Yeah. I'll, how do you, as like a, as a healer yourself working with clients, how do you balance this? it's a very delicate balance um like you have to go into it with a sensitivity like everyone's story is their own and kind of holding that empowerment in that when I think of uh meaning making from trauma like kind of like what Tracy said we have no control or power over the things that happen to us but we do have the power of our actions afterwards and kind of like the way we get to make ourselves feel afterwards and I think that's where the meaning making and trauma comes from it's like if it adds positivity to your narrative then this should totally be part of your healing but if it's not there's other options there's other ways I love that and we've been kind of dancing around this this uh concept too which is peer support Um, And we talked a little bit of how it can help survivors not feel as alone. Um, But why else is peer support so important um, for survivors or can be so important for survivors, I should say? 
I think it kind of goes back to what you were saying, like a lot of survivors will isolate. Um, I think it's really important for anyone to have social supports and to have a, a community, and especially those who've experienced trauma, to have a validating community, a community who understands can support you on whatever your journey is and peer support I think is just crucial I think we've seen that also in the pandemic of how important it is to have those around us um, so there's a lot of peer support spaces and specifically in Orlando there's one called peer support space um, so if you're ever looking for it just know it's there Absolutely. And, and we've actually had the CEO and founder on a couple of times, uh, Yasmin Flasterstein. So that's that's a great um, resource for survivors. And of course, we have support groups too. Um, Tracy, have you found peer support really helpful in your healing journey specifically? Oh, for sure. Like absolutely. Without peer support, I don't think I would be and where I am in my healing journey. Because, you know, with this happening when I was so young and not disclosing this to anybody, I felt so alone and felt like that. I was the only one that this happened to. Um, and, you know, I, I was the only one going through this. And, and it, you, like Yael said, you just feel very alone. And, you know, you feel very guilty because, you know, you know, things were wrong. So you feel like you did something wrong. You feel like you're not deserving person and that you don't deserve, you know, good things. And it really wasn't until I started talking about what I went through and started to hear other people's stories as well. And they would say the same thing. I felt alone. I felt guilty. I felt that it was my fault. And, you know, realizing me like, oh, those were, I wasn't the only one feeling like that. Like it was okay that I had all of these feelings going on. I think knowing that it's okay, the way you feel is okay. And those are validated feelings. So I think peer support is one of the best things you know, victims can have to going forward and to heal after a traumatic event. I'm so glad to hear that. And thanks so much for sharing that personal kind of piece to it too, Tracy. I really appreciate it. It sounds like we're talking about this concept of like communal healing. And you mentioned that hearing other survivors and their stories was helpful. Um, you know, and I know that Tracy, you uh, share your story a lot. Um, you've come on a lot of, you know, educational, uh, you know, exhibits with me, <laughs> sharing your story. Have survivors or their supporters ever reacted to your story or your activism? And then how did that feel? Yeah, I, I, you know, just for those who are listening out there, just a little bit of backstory. Um, you know, like Emily said at the beginning, I was sexually abused by an older cousin. Um, and didn't disclose. And so dealing with all of that, and then it was probably when I was, you know, 21, I was finally able to discuss what happened. And then it really wasn't until I had children that I really began my advocacy training and kind of like, how can I prevent my kids from going through that? So yeah, so I do a lot of talking now of telling my story, because I want to reach people and help them realize how, you know, this, this type of situation happens more often than it should. And it is, it, I have been in several instances. Um, and, you know, Emily, we make this statistic all the time about like, you know, one in 10 or, you know, one in six. And we say that all the time and we're speaking in groups of 20 to 30 people. So there are people in there who have been through the same situation. Um, and I can lock eyes with them because when I'm telling about my feelings and my thoughts, I can see them and they're thinking the same thing. Like, oh my gosh, I feel the same way. Like I thought the same things. Like I thought it was my fault. And, you know, there's been times where I've seen people cry and come up to me afterwards and say the same thing happened to me. I, you know, just, just thought it was, I just needed to put it behind me or I didn't know how I was feeling or I thought it was my fault. And, and, and it's just really reassuring that that's why I share my story is because I want other people to realize that these things, this traumatic experience, you know, happened to them. It's not because they did anything to encourage it or make it happen. And, you know, that your feelings and everything that you're, that's going on in your head is normal and, and that it's okay. And that you can get through that. So, you know, being there, seeing those people kind of like have that sigh of relief of like, 
they've been carrying this dread within them for so long. And it's kind of like, Ooh, I kind of feel like I'm okay. Like I'm not, there's not something wrong with me. So being able to do that is it kind of drives me more to share my story and to talk more and to feel better about, like we said, just kind of making meaning from this trauma. Like it just helps one more person at a time. That's incredible. Thank you so much for sharing that. And for all that you do, um, I, I think it's really interesting too, that you mentioned that you can tell when you're telling your story that it's affecting other people, maybe a little bit more. It's like resonating with other survivors. I think that that's really, um, key that, you know, um, definitely you're making a difference, right? And, and there's people reaching out and I can see why that can be really healing for some survivors. Yeah, Al, do you, um, you know, I know that you've kind of done some maybe research or work about communal healing and how that can be healing for a survivor. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so I really like Viktor Frankl. Uh, he wrote the book, Man Search for Meaning. And that is kind of like really sparked this interest of mine into making meaning from trauma. Specifically, read, uh, read a study about 300 adult sexual, sexual assault survivors um, were researched and they talked about activism and communal healing, community involvement, and what that does for them in their healing. And they found that those who were involved in anti-sexual assault activism, uh, community involvement actually had more positive psychological functioning and greater uh, coping self-efficacy. Um, so it's really just like, to me, like a part of their healing that was super important to them. Um, it's the meaning they added. It had to be like their choice. So that's kind of what I, when I think of it. Yeah, I just think just to say about, you know, that you, when you said your choice, it is so that kind of goes back to the empowering is when you become, when you're an advocate, you make the choice to handle your story and it becomes your own and you're in control of telling your story and helping others. And that makes a survivor so like feel so much stronger that they have that power back to be able to go out and talk about their experiences. Exactly. They're controlling their narrative and they're getting to write it. Like they're getting to say like, this is what I'm adding to it. And I right. think that can be super healing. Yeah, everybody has a story. And I tell that to a lot of people is everybody has their own story. And it's your choice on if you want to tell your story, how much of your story, who you tell your story to. And that's such a good thing for somebody who's been through a tra traumatic experience is to be able to have that power to tell their story when they feel like it on their time on, you know, so they have that power to kind of take back their story and say, nope, I'm going to tell my story. And this is how it goes. I love that. That's really reminding me of, um, we did a podcast about narrative therapy that was similar to that, where it's kind of taking ownership of the story. You know, you're an expert of your story. And then I love the idea of controlling how you say it and taking that power back. Right. Um, you know, when did you know, Tracy, that you were ready for sharing your story publicly or participating in prevention education? A lot of survivors who might be listening to this may be, you know, on the fence, but they may not be sure if they're ready. So how did you know that you were ready? Um, I remember my kids were very young at the time. Um, I think my oldest was just going into kindergarten. And I started going into therapy, trying to figure out how I could talk to my kids to keep them safe. Um, and, you know, what, how do I talk to my kids? What do I say? And I started going to a therapist and that was my question. And, you know, as we slowly got through it and she said, well, you know, what if we need to, you know, talk about where your, what your story is and let's talk about how we, you can heal from your story so you can be there for your kids and be that person who, knows how to keep their kids safe. And so, you know, going through therapy and talking with a therapist and kind of explaining my story and telling my story and then how to talk to kids, that's really what I started feeling more empowered was like we were talking about as I feel like the story was mine again. It wasn't something that happened to me. This was my story. And I began talking just to friends of, of my kids, parent, you know, my kids, 
my kids, friends, parents, um, and just talking to them about like, Hey, have you thought about, you know, keeping your kids safe from, you know, this, this, this. And I realized very quickly, like a lot of parents don't know how to talk to their kids about these situations. And it really hit me. And I was like, I know about how to keep kids safe. And I know how I felt. And I didn't have anybody to turn to. And I didn't have anybody to talk to. And so that really drove me to want to get into the schools and talk to the parents and help them talk to their kids and figure out what to say. So that's when I really knew when I started and shared my story with some of my close friends, they were like, oh, thank you so much for telling me. And then they would go and they would talk to their child and come back and be like, I just had the best conversation with my kid. You know, we had a great talk. I feel so much better about it. Like, you know, we, we opened the gates up to this whole conversation about everything. And so that's really when I started being like, oh, I could do really so much good with this that I could help other people. And that's really what sparked the, the, the drive for me was, I just want to protect one kid. If I can just get one kid safe from going through what I had to get through, then that's all I wanted to do. That's amazing. I love that it started out kind of micro, right? These conversations that you just happen to have with these individuals. And now you're at a lot of different speaking engagements and talking to police officers and parents and all these different people. Um, so yeah, I appreciate that. And yeah, I'll, you know, how with your work with survivors, how, you know, one of the things that helped Tracy, it sounds like, um, was kind of talking to their counselor about it, talking to a therapist about it and, and seeing, you know, um, working through, you know, am I ready to do this or not? Um, how do you work with clients to kind of, you know, gauge that, test those waters, I, I guess? kind of work in creating the safety in the therapy room in that session where they can feel safe enough to talk about it with me or with the therapist um, and then kind of seeing what it feels like kind of role-playing how it might feel to say to others like let's work on what it feels like to also stay safe when we're saying our story to others and kind of different techniques to keep us grounded or um you know, different things to just make sure that you are able to get through the story and then kind of seeing like, is that something that you want to do? And who would you want to say that to? Um, because if we could do it in therapy and it can feel okay, but it doesn't have to be something like kind of what Tracy said, like I started with my personal conversations and then I felt how that felt. And then I moved up because I realized I wanted to do that. So that's kind of what we do in the therapy room is like, what feels good to you as we move through this? And then trusting that, right? I think that that is also super empowering too. Um, and going off of that, you know, you talked about how, um, you know, grounding techniques or if someone's feeling triggered or something like that. Tracy, did you ever feel like you needed to take a step back from, you know, your activism at any point? Um, yes, there are times where I do. And, um, you know, we've actually recently talked about this, Emily, but, um, you know, it's, for me, it's, it's easy because I'm more of an open book. Like I think I've talked and, and shared it. And because I want people to learn from what happened with me, as I'm pretty open in my story, and I kind of divulge everything that happened and how I was feeling and things, and just everything that went on. And um, it doesn't necessarily bother me. Um, you know, I'm pretty good about telling my story and owning it again, because it goes back to that empowering that I'm the one that's telling it. And so I'm being able to be okay with saying, this is my story. And here it is. Um, there are times that, yeah, where it gets to be too much, where there's, you know, if you say it and you're in it and you're talking about it so much and over and over again, and then you realize, and then all of a sudden you're like, that's all that's on my mind right now. I need to get a break. I need to get away. And just kind of clear my head and just remember that that is not who I am 100%. You know, being an activist and being out there and talking to people is so I can help people. But at the same time, that's not my entire life. And, you know, you have to take a step back and say, okay, let's just like, you know, y'all said it's just ground yourself and be like, I'm, you know, I'm okay. Everything is fine. Let's get back and do like real world things and realize that that's just a part of you. It's not the entire the whole picture. Daphne, I'm so glad you brought that up, Tracy, because 
one of the first episodes of this podcast, we talked about like the survivor to thriver kind of situation. And, and I'll never forget what one of our therapists said or had therapist Brandy, who was like, you know, we're people at the end of the day, like this isn't all encompassing this, this label. Um, it's just maybe a piece of what, you know, who Tracy is, you know what I mean? But like, it's yeah. not all of you. So I appreciate you brought that up as well. Um, yeah, I'll, I, I, you know, what would you say to a survivor who this happens a lot where survivors may, you know, need to take a break or take a step back, but they may feel, am I going backwards in my healing? Um, what would you say to a survivor who had those feelings? I would say, I mean, I'm going to use the term that Brene Brown coined, um, she called it a vulnerability hangover. And I think that that really applies to anyone, like even therapists, like we're in these spaces that are vulnerable for us and it takes a lot of energy and it's okay to say, I need to pull back from that or I need to take care of myself. And it can be, even if you don't have trauma, we do have to all just take care of ourselves and the energy that we're putting out there. So trying not to hold on to any shame in that, um, trying to just let yourself know that you're doing the best that you can, you're taking care of yourself and you're sharing your story. And that's really huge. That's an accomplishment. Yeah. And celebrating that too. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. I'll, um, you know, Tracy did a, did a participant want, when you ever, you share your story, I know that you do it live, right? So there's people in the audience and at the end, usually we have like a Q and a session, like, for people to ask whatever questions that they may have. Um, so did, it a, did a participant in one of these trainings or any of these speaking engagements ever trigger something with a specific question? And if so, how did you handle that? Um, I, I can remember there was one time earlier on in my speaking engagements where there, you know, somebody asked a question and it just brought me back to this um, memory that I had of being back in that place and being that little kid again. And, and I think, you know, during the moment, I just tried to get through it. And I would just say, just, I'm just going to talk about what I want to talk about. And I will just say, you know, just very briefly, you know, this is what it is, and kind of move on and make sure after the session, after the, the speaking engagement that I kind of regroup on that you know, and kind of just take some time and say, why did I get triggered by that? What, what happened there? How can I prevent that from happening again the next time? Um, you know, so it, it's, it, it very rarely happens to me. I'm very, like I said, I'm very kind of fortunate because um, I do feel okay telling most of my story and I don't really, um, you know, feel guilty for saying certain things. Um, so uh it, most of the time it doesn't happen for me, but there are times, you know, just they're triggers. You have to be very cautious of them. Um, and you, you do have to kind of keep yourself and grounded and check and say, okay, just take a step back, you know, give them an answer and then we can move on and you can figure out how to get around it next time. Do you have like a safety plan for when that does happen? Like, um, you know, that's set up or anything that you worked with like a therapist with? Yeah, I mean, usually it's just kind of I will take a deep breath and I will and I will pause for a moment and I will kind of think of how I want to handle that. Like, what do I want to say in that moment? And if it's something that I'm just not comfortable saying, then, you know, a lot of times I would just be like, you know, I'm just not really ready to answer that I didn't, or just say I'm not I'm not ready to answer that question or I'm just not sure how I feel about that right now. And that's a good way because it is your story. It is your, your, your whole world. So, you know, you can say that and it, it goes back to that empowerment. It goes back to that activism that you have the control. So if you want to tell people, you know, only a part of your story, then you tell that part. You don't have to tell the whole part of it, whatever you don't want people to know, you don't have to tell them. So you know, just like I said, taking a step, taking a breath, kind of, you know, remembering that, okay, I'm, it's okay, I'm not in that situation, I'm here. And you just slowly answer and you just say, I'm not really ready to answer that right now. I really appreciate you sharing these specific boundaries that you're setting up. I think that they're super integral. And I love that you like connected it back to that empowerment piece that absolutely. Um, I think that there can be sometimes this pressure 
uh, maybe in the moment too. Um, for if someone asks a question that someone's just not ready to respond with. Um, but I think that those boundaries are very integral and super important. And I think it happened more probably when I first started out, um, you know, trying to figure out where my boundaries are and where do I go with my story. So I think, you know, yeah, it's, it's a trial and error at the beginning of trying to figure out like what you feel comfortable sharing and where you want to go with it. Um, you know, as it, as I've told my story on and on, and it's kind of like out there, um, you know, I feel better about that now, but it's like, it's, I, I know I have my story and I know exactly what I want to say about it. So yeah, I think, I think it'll happen earlier on when you first start telling your story, because it's a scary experience trying to tell what happened to you and you're not sure if people are ready to hear it. Definitely. And I appreciate you kind of sharing your safety plan too, as well. Yeah. Oh, would that be like, um, similar with other survivors that you worked with as far as like setting up a safety plan, um, for when triggers may occur when they're doing their speaking engagements? Yeah. Speaking engagements, or even just talking to your, you know, friends, your family, the goal is for you to stay safe and for you to feel like it's your story, you're in control of it. Um, so definitely having a safety plan of like, what does it look like? You know, like, kind of imagining it in that therapy session like you can imagine how it might feel to tell your partner or you might feel to tell your best friend and like we can work through those feelings and do different things like Tracy said understanding your boundaries of like oh wow when I think about saying that one thing that it just like really makes me feel anxious I don't feel safe so we work on saying like that's my boundary and like feeling comfortable saying that's my boundary absolutely I've had survivors um put up boundaries too. And, and we'll talk a little bit more about um, some tips and things like that for survivors who may be more interested in sharing their story publicly. Um, but before we do that, I had, um, and I know that you mentioned Tracy, you talked a little bit about um, that you want people to learn from your story. Is there anything else you want to expand on as far as what you want people to gain from you sharing your story? Yeah, I, I, like I said, I share my story now to hopefully, you know, to kind of raise awareness about child sexual abuse and how prevalent it is and how easy it can happen. Um, and so that's one of the biggest reasons I share my story. And, you know, I want to like protect the kids and I want parents to be able to go home after hearing my story and say, I've got to talk to my kid you know, it may be uncomfortable, but I want to keep my kids safe too. So, you know, I want my kids to, you know, I want parents to be able to go home and tell their kids, you know, this is what you need to be cautious of. And then this is what you need to do. And that's really what I want them to gain from my story. And then to understand, like, to, to help other people realize that people who go through a traumatic event and through a traumatic experience, you know, what, what does that mean for them? And what, what does that entail for the rest of their life, because it is something that will affect you for the rest of your life. And it is something that I have to deal with every single day. So I, I want to tell, talk to people about trauma. And if you, if there is a person who's gone through that experience, like what to expect, how to help them, what to say to them, to help them make them feel better. Um, and that's, you know, that's, that's another part of it that I really kind of want. And that's why I talk about it. Because, you know, the traumatic experience of keeping it quiet and living with it, you know, affected me in so many ways and it could happen to, you know, everybody. And so I want people to understand that if you've had a traumatic experience, that your feelings, your thoughts, all of that is, you know, they're legit and they're okay to have all of those thoughts. Thank you so much, Tracy. I really appreciate that. And I can tell you that whenever we do a speaking engagement, I can see that that definitely comes across and, and the, the participants are really always like moved by it as well. I think that um, absolutely it makes a huge difference and people definitely gain those things. Um, so I wanted to ask you, Yael, uh, I know that you've done a lot of research on it too, um, but basically the, the million dollar question, which is, uh, you know, how can activism help survivors bring meaning from trauma? We've been talking a little bit about it, but I didn't know if there was something specific that you wanted to highlight. 
I would say that Trace is probably a really great example of that exact line is the idea that prevention is now part of her healing story. Like that has added some meaning into a very painful situation and it's become empowering. So when I think of meaning, making meaning from trauma, that's really like a perfect example that comes to my head is I've taken something, I've taken suffering and I have added a part of my healing from this. I've, I mean, we're all healing constantly. If there's not a goal, it's just going to be a part of our lives of us trying to achieve this, you know, desired self. But I think that like finding a little bit of empowerment in that. Absolutely. I think that um, that's why I was so excited when you brought up this topic, because I'm like, I know the exact person <laughs> that I should invite on. Um, but, you know, obviously, um, you know, speaking engagements and things like that can be a big thing. So are there smaller acts of activism that survivors can partake in? Definitely like within our personal lives. I think we forget personal activism and what it, how empowering it can feel just to your circle knows what is going on. Your circle knows your values and how it is a part of your healing um, conversations with our partners, our friends, social media is huge. You never know who's on your, you know, friends list, who's following you. And that one post where you're like, you know, it's, it's childhood sexual abuse awareness week. And I just want you guys to know that's important to me. And just something like that can really count as activism and can add meaning and can also be impactful to others. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think, you know, I, I do the speaking part and I, and I'm very comfortable with it. And I'm, and I'm, you know, that for me is good. A lot of people aren't as comfortable speaking their, their story in front of big crowds. And it can be like, you know, Yael said, it's just telling your friends. I remember telling my friends for the first time and it was a very scary experience. But then at the same time, it was an empowering thing because it was like, this is who I am. I don't have to hide this part of me anymore. And, and it just kind of helps them understand who I was as a person and why I kind of acted the way I did or said the, you know, the things that I said. So it doesn't have to be these huge speeches. It can just be, you know, talking to your best friend, you know, saying like, hey, I heard that you're going to let your child go to a sleepover. Have you ever like make sure you know who's in the house? And, you know, it could just be like little things like that, you know, where you can just help give somebody a little bit of advice. Or if somebody comes to you with a problem and says they were, you know, sexually assaulted, you kind of have that, like, I understand the trauma and the feelings that you're having. And you can kind of be able to talk to them a little bit more and share a little bit more of your story and how you feel and say, listen, you're not alone. You're okay. You're safe. And you can kind of give them a little bit of advice. Those are all things that you can do to help other people and be an advocate um, and, and be an activism. And they don't have to be huge, these huge things, but it can just be something little that's helping one person. I love that. I can clearly envision like ripple effects here. And I appreciate again that, you know, it's kind of going with what makes this person heal, you know, what works for you. I also am thinking about like volunteering. There could be volunteer work at a local rape crisis center. I know that we have a volunteer program here. It could be volunteering in a lot of different places. It can also be you know, as simple as like you've been mentioning social media. I know that for sexual assault awareness, but there's a lot of different days that people can participate in like denim day or things like that. Just those, those little acts that really actually make a big impact. Right. Um, there's, there's so many different ways to get involved if, you know, public speaking isn't really, um, you know, part of your healing journey. There's other ways that you can be active and if you would choose to do so. Um, so speaking of which, what are some tips that you would share to a survivor that would like to be active or share their story publicly? Um, I would probably just some tips would be to go slow. I would say very first thing is go slow and take your time and, you know, don't rush into anything 
don't do anything that you aren't feeling 100% at. And I would say, you know, making sure you also have somebody that you can talk to as a survivor, you know, you're going to, if you want to share your story and help and be active, that's great. But you need to also make sure that you have somebody who you can turn to if things start not feeling right, or you just don't feel that this is the right situation. Um, you know, there's several ways you can start sharing your story publicly. There's short, like social media is probably one of the best things um, because, you know, you can just share a post, you can share somebody's, you know, statistics, you can go online and you can, you know, read about how to protect kids. And, you know, you can do things just very easily and small that you can kind of get involved with and to see where you want to go from there. You don't have to start out this huge, big thing and jump in with both feet. You can kind of, you know, test out over here why I like this, you know, thing, and I want to talk with kids, or I want to talk with adults, or I want to help other survivors or, you know, whatever you kind of want to do. So that would be my very first thing would just be to start out small and make sure you have somebody that you can talk to that's on your side. I love that. I think that that is super key or can be super key. Um, yeah, Al, do you, um, you know, we talked a little bit about how sometimes we need to take a step back. Um, and it could be that there there could be some signs of burnout that this is just a little too much. What are some of those signs? I think it when you become disengaged in your personal life, um, kind of like if you go, you share your story and then the next few days you're like, well, I really don't want to be around people or that took a lot out of me. Checking in with yourself and kind of seeing like, was that something that was good for me? Like, how could I take care of myself? Like Tracy said, you have to have that space for you. Um, and I think that space can also keep you accountable um, if it's not for you. So like, you know, checking in with your therapist, like, oh, I really notice that I got like kind of low energy or I got a little bit shorter with my kids. There's just like something that was going on. Um, so you're able to like check in with yourself in terms of that type of burnout. Yeah. And Emily, just using the example from the other week for me, we were doing a lot of uh, sessions and I was doing a lot of speaking engagements and, and talking and it just got to be where, you know, I was tired. I was exhausted. My head just wasn't in it. I, you know, and I was supposed to do a training with Emily and I just, I had to call her and be like, I, I can't, I just need a break. I, I can't do this right now. I'm, I just need to kind of regroup a little bit and, and that's okay. And you, you have to be able to feel like that's okay to get to that, to say that you have to feel strong enough as a person and be like, you know, I, it's, I, I just can't share what I need to share right now. I need to just take care of myself. And and you have to kind of back away and, and not, you know, like Emily said earlier, like it's not a regression at any means. It's not like I'm stepping back on my, you know, my healing journey. It's, I'm, it's actually a step forward of taking that saying and saying, I'm putting myself first for once and I'm taking care of myself instead of everybody else's needs. And so I'm going to take a step back and I'm going to make sure that I'm okay you know, before I try to help everybody else. I love that you said that, Tracy. I love that concept of, yeah, that's actually a step forward, um, setting those boundaries and, and taking a step back and taking care of yourself. It just kind of makes me think a little bit about when we were talking about vulnerability, like what Tracy was saying, like it takes energy to be that vulnerable, even if it's empowering, it does take something out of us. So just giving back, taking care of ourselves and setting that boundary is also part of the empowering piece. Definitely. And, um, and I'm so glad that you did tell me Tracy, cause I, well, what we were doing, I'm like, there's like a lot of trainings. I hope everything's okay. And like checking in and then I'm like, yeah. okay, I'm really glad that she said no. <laughs> yeah. It was just like one of those things I was like, you know, like I really want to help people. And I have, I do have a hard time saying no, because I do want to talk to people, but it was like, I just can't. And I was like, if I just keep on going, it's just going to go worse. And so, yeah, it's like, I, whereas probably five years ago, I wouldn't have done it. I would have just kept pushing through and just said, I said, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to do it. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. 
And, but now I'm finally, you know, like, you know what, I, I, I gotta just take a step back and it's okay. And I'm not letting anybody down, but I'm taking care of myself for once. And I have, you have to do that at the same time. Totally. And you don't owe anyone anything. That's right. the other thing too. So yeah, I, I love hearing like in the years past that it shows that like this growth of like, no, now I'm saying no, and it's great. <laughs> um, do you ever have like a self-care plan after events? Like, is there something that you do specifically or, um, you know, after an engagement where you think like, you know, I just did this thing. It was kind of heavy. So this is kind of what I'm going to do to treat myself after. Um, a lot of times the first thing I do is I call my husband because um, he always wants to know how it went and he's so worried about me. So um, I call him and I tell him how it went. And that's really kind of how I, de cleanse and de kind of get off of everything is I just kind of say how it went, how I felt, was I nervous, was it okay, um, was it heavy, was it not, you know, and and kind of talk to him about it. And that really kind of helps me gauge on where where I am a little bit mentally. Sometimes I come home and I'm like, I need a nap and I'm just gonna lay down and just close down my brain and my eyes and just rest my body for a little bit and Sometimes I need that. And sometimes I feel good. And I'm like, that was great. I'm going to go for a run because I feel great now. And, you know, so it really, I really just kind of have to judge it every time is different for me. Um, so you really, I just have to kind of take each time, each time um, as it comes and just kind of figure out what I need, like a nap, I need a run, I need to eat, I need, <laughs> I don't, you know, whatever. And I kind of just kind of figure that out. But really I base it off of, of my conversation with my husband and it kind of how that, that goes. And then I figure out where I need to go from there. I love this as like little debrief session that you have. And then I do, I, I want to uplift that specifically too, that needs change, you know, it depends on the day. Um, and kind of knowing yourself really is super key. Um, yeah. I'll, um, how would you kind of help a survivor with like a, post-event self-care plan? My brain instantly goes to DBT. Uh, there's a part in DBT of the emotion regulation where you take care of yourself after a prompting event, after something that might feel emotional, and it goes uh, back to our distress tolerance skills, you know, self-soothing, how do I make myself feel better, feel grounded. So I kind of really like how Tracy's like, I, I see it, how I feel afterwards. Like that's really the biggest part is like, we have to kind of plan for the different ways you might feel. So if you know you're going to feel good, a run is great. But if you know, I might feel tired, it's like, oh, maybe cuddling on the couch is how I'm going to make myself feel better. But just giving yourself the space to debrief, I think is the very first thing to do. For sure. Yeah. Not like jumping into the next thing, maybe, um, is probably make, is probably a good tip, um, to kind of give yourself that time to kind of process what happened and, and debrief from it essentially. Yeah. And I think the week that I was like, had to cancel on you is because I was working and my kids were all over the place and it was just life and you know normal life that goes on and and it was just like oh I just I haven't had time to just rest my brain for a little bit and so you know yeah you can go on for a little bit and then you realize I I have to take a break you gotta you gotta slow down life life will get you and and you know has all of its ups and downs so you you have to find time to just kind of relax as well. Definitely. And, and like with any kind of um, like feelings of overwhelming and of course, adding the trauma piece is like, you know, even more so um, your body will decide for you if you need a rest. Um, so it's, it's good to be proactive with it. So it's great to see like, I'm starting to see these signs. Um, I need to take a step back and that's okay. Cause I don't owe anyone anything. And, you know, this is just part of my day, but I need to kind of focus on this. Um, as kind of a final question before we sign off, um, you know, this is kind of on my mind too, is activism for everyone. For example, do survivors have to share their story publicly or be active in violence prevention, even on social media as part of their healing journey? No. I wish I had like more um, after that, but my answer is definitely no. It is a personal thing. I think that's what we've like really talked about and like kind of what we've 
or what Tracy's mentioned as part of her story, it's, it's steps. Like, did this feel okay? Did this feel safe when I said this story? Like, what do I think about and how does this feel when I tell my story to this group or these people or, you know, adding prevention? I don't think activism has to be a part of, of everyone's healing, but it can be impactful. And sometimes like we've said before, like you are not your trauma. If telling your story doesn't feel healing and it doesn't feel like it's preventing or helping anyone, it doesn't have to be a part of it. You don't have to tell people. I mean, we've mentioned that in terms of just like, you know, telling people about sexual assault. If something's happened to you, it has to really feel safe and okay for you. But you are not your trauma, so it doesn't have to be a part of your healing narrative. Yeah, I I agree as well. Like, no, you don't have to share publicly. You don't have to tell anybody anything you don't want to. Um, If you're a survivor, um, it's your story. It's your, you know, that's why I've always told people is this is your story and it's your story to tell if you wish to tell it. You know, that's, I, I've, I've known people who's, you know, have disclosed to me that they were, you know, sexually abused as a child. And, but that was it. And they were like, I don't want anybody else to know. I don't want, you know, that's just how I feel. And for me, I just don't want, I don't want to talk about it. And, and that's their, that's their situation. That's their story. And that's how they are going to get through it. And that is totally fine. You know, you have to figure out what is best for you. Is it, is it speaking publicly? Is it just putting a social media post? Is it, is there not saying anything at all, but just making sure you're helping or protecting those around you? You know, it can be whatever, whatever, how big you want it or how small you want it. I think the one thing, you know, we did tell about, and one thing from my experience is every time I speak, you know, it is nice hearing people kind of say like, you're, you're so amazing. You're so brave. I can't, you know, thank you for sharing your story. And, you know, and it makes me like going back to that empowered thing. It makes me feel like I'm taking back that, those feelings of not being worthwhile and not feeling loved. And I think it helps me feel better in that moment. So, you know, it's, it's a good thing. Um, activism can be a really good thing and helping somebody with their healing journey. Um, but it doesn't have to be the part of their healing journey as well. Absolutely. And, and while you were talking to Tracy, I forgot to mention this too. Like if you, if a survivor like goes out and is, you know, doing these speaking engagements and then they realize it's really not for them, again, and we've already kind of said this many times, but yeah, you don't owe anyone anything. So if you need to take a step back, we talked about taking a step back, like, you know, for a little bit, and then maybe getting back into it, you need to take a step back permanently, you can, you have every right to do that. Um, What are other options for survivors to make meaning from trauma that doesn't involve activism, do you think? I think, Making meaning for me, it started out as um, reading books. And I think that was the biggest kind of things was reading about um, victims of child sexual abuse and about trauma and those people who have been through traumatic experience. I said, I think just reading those books and listening to other people explain exactly how I was feeling and them saying, that's normal. That's okay. You were entitled to feel that way. Like there's nothing wrong with you that you felt that, or you thought that. And I think those are the biggest things for me was just reading more and understanding why my brain processed certain things, certain ways, or why I think certain ways now, Um, even with, you know, a relationship with my husband, you know, just trying to figure out why I react in a certain situation the way I do. And a lot of times it goes back to that trauma I had as a kid. So, you know, reading can be a huge thing. Um, and even, you know, writing, journaling, you know, writing things down, you don't have to share it with anybody. It could just be for your own good. And a lot of times I've written journals a lot, and then I'll go back and read them and be like, wow, I can't believe that's where I was. And here, look at where I am now. So, it can be one of those things that you can see and grow through as you write through your journal about how you're feeling. And, you know, you, you know, you can go back a year later or two years later, whatever the time may be and say, Oh, that's how I used to felt feel. And now this is how I am feeling now. So it's good that it's kind of evolving and, and growing and making, you know, your journeys kind of going in that direction, which you don't even have to 
you know, yell from the rooftop. So, you know, this is what you're doing. Absolutely. I love that. Um, I love that you gave specific examples too, of like journaling and, and things like that. Yeah. Oh, um, is there anything that you'd like to add on to that? I just really want to like applaud the way that Tracy explained that, because I think that is exactly when you think of making meaning from trauma outside of activism, is the fact that you've gotten to understand your experience in a way that furthers the way you want to grow. Like we're all growing as humans. It's just things we're going to do as we, you know, are experiencing this life. But to understand like that experience created this belief. And now I'm choosing to do it this way or like that experience, you know, kind of created this threat pathway in my brain. And so I know sometimes when it's activated, so it, it really does like add to our growth. It doesn't have to be activism, but I think just understanding the meaning of your trauma can be super impactful. I think that that's a wonderful place to sign off. So thank you for listening to the Victim Service Center podcast. The VSC is a nonprofit organization that provides free confidential counseling services for survivors of any kind of trauma in Central Florida. To learn more about our services, please visit victimservicecenter.org. And to everyone listening, healing is not linear and you are not alone. And thank you so, so much, Tracy and Yael, for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me.